Welcome back to the Crow's Nest. My name is Jackson Shank, alongside my co-host Justin Valenzuela for episode 40, where we're going to be breaking down NFL Week 2. We got our Week 2 winners and losers. This is starting to become a little bit of a thing, Justin. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, we're without Mike Federico for today's episode. He's got some work, so it's Justin and I. Back, back to the old major pair, yeah. major major throwback. <laughs> yeah. It's been one one episode, one episode throwback, <laughs> <laughs> literally. But you know what, Jackson? I'm super excited and anxious for this man. Yeah, yeah. Why is that? It's me and you, man, sitting here in this booth, chopping it up. You know, just like the old days, man. All right, you know, back in my day. Oh yeah, we used to sit in this booth, just you and I. Okay. We we used to just talk into microphones, man. I think it's back in our day. I think that's what you're looking for. Yes, back in our day. You back know. in our day, most definitely. That's a good time. That's a good oh, time. Yeah. Well, oh. hey, let's let's chop it up a bit more. We got another episode today, Tuesday night, sitting around 9 p.m. Because you know, us college students are busy throughout the day. So, Jay, in our last episode, we were so adamant on welcoming our new host. We completely forgot to update the viewers on our lives. Yeah, and it's ironic, too, because this is, like, the most active my life has ever been. Like, any time it's like, oh, man, Jackson's doing a lot. Justin, what you got? Ah, same old, bro. <laughs> it's not the same old for me. It's not the same old. That's um, facts. Yeah, I'll just take the reins real quick. I started writing for uh, the radio station that is affiliated with our, with our school, WSOU 89.5, and I started uh, writing a Jets column Woo! that comes out every week. Let's go. Yeah, every every single Monday, or I guess Tuesday it'll come out. I'll write it Monday. Um, after every Jets game, I'll give updates, kind of a recap, and then a preview into the next week. Um, yeah, it's called the Jets Flight Zone. Every Tuesday, check it out on WSOU Sports on Twitter. Yep, I'll be retweeting it. You can check me out on Twitter as well. Uh, we'll link that. Yeah, check me out on Twitter. I'll link that. Um, I'll be reposting it as well. So yeah, give it give it a read. Um, Jets fan or not, I just think it's you know it's it's another way to get a look at somebody you might listen to often. Um, it's something I'm really passionate about. I actually like my dream would to be like a beat reporter for the New York Jets. I think that would that would be one of my many dreams. But it's definitely up there. Something I've thought about for a long time. It's something I used to do just for fun. I would growing up, I would sit there and write and rant about the Jets. I do a lot of rants because. They give me a lot to rant about, Jackson. They really do. Well, um, it's a good thing we have a podcast. Exactly, yeah. Um, I'm sure at some point, you guys didn't get to see it last year. Um, you really, you've seen Justin when he's like pleased with the Jets because as a Jets fan, you look forward to week one, the draft and free agency. That's that's life as a Jets fan. So you've witnessed me in like my happy moments, but I'm sure at some point I was damn near ready to do it after the Ravens loss. You'll see it come out eventually. So they give me a lot to write about. They give me a lot of content. They're a great team to write about, to be honest. Um, but yeah, growing up, I'd always, I would always, always write about the Jets, do mock drafts, stupid stuff like that. So I'm really excited to do it in a professional setting now. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys can see how passionate I am just speaking about it. So I would really appreciate it if you guys, even if it's just one read, just give it a check. Um, I would really appreciate it. So, yeah. Good for you, Jay. That's big time. Oh, I, yeah. uh, you know, I was, I was talking to Justin when he told me he was, you know, doing this and I was like, you know, maybe I develop a kingdom column. You know what I'm saying? Like That'd a chief's, cool. chief's kingdom column. Yeah, it'd be cool, man. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what's in the works. But you know what? We're on the topic of the Jets. We went to a Jets game, and we haven't talked about it. Yeah, we have not had a chance. Yeah, I got season tickets. I'm sure I've mentioned it. Uh, 21 rows to the left of the goalpost, Pepsi Gate, uh, Section 103. It's a pretty cool experience, I would say. Um, I got three tickets, but my brother's up in school in Massachusetts, so he can no longer come with the, me and my father. 
So I was like, you know what? I got a good buddy named Jackson who I think would appreciate come with me. Uh, and then he got to see Lamar Jackson in action. And, yeah, you know, that's he got, he honestly, I think Jackson, that was the perfect game to bring you to. Cause now you understand that, like, you say it all the time. You like, you do, like, relax, whatever, whatever. No, yeah, that's, this it's a, is it's a the, rough life to live. This is the life of a Jets fan. We looked and, like, whatever you want to say about the Jets, we looked good, I would say. Your defense looked really good. Our defense good. looked really good in the first <laughs> <Yeah>. half. And <laughs> we were holding them in check, and we just needed yeah. to be able to move the ball. And then, obviously, over time, what happens a lot with the Jets is, you know, we get blown out, super high-scoring games for other teams, blah, 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 blah. It's because our offense can't produce. They can't keep, they can't stay on the field, and then the defense gets tired. We always have, always have strong defenses. Statistically speaking, and if you just look at the scoreboard, it'll never look like that, but we always have pretty solid defenses. They're just out there for too long, and that's when you know they end up getting blown out because they're gassed. So you got a pretty good Jets experience, I would say. No, we did. We, uh, we got there just before the national anthem, which actually... You know, I got I got to talk about this because it gave me chills, man. Seeing on 9-11 a stadium full of New York and New, New Jersey natives openly sing the national anthem was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had because it's very few times where I've actually seen the singer give up the reins to the fans and to have the entire fan base singing in unison the national anthem was awesome it, it was a it was a nice heartwarming moment but it, it really gave me chills jay yeah it was an awesome experience i i always get chills when the national anthem comes on um and that was just another great experience because you know all the fans were sitting there in unison singing together and it, it didn't matter who you were what background you had where you came from what you thought about the country etc cetera, etc cetera. it was just a moment of unison uh, in remembrance and in honor of those lives lost on 9-11. So that was a really, really cool experience. And much credit to Coach Sala. He actually put out, it came out like a few days before um, Sunday, uh, opening day, that he wanted to have all the fans sing because he thinks it sounds really cool and it would be a great nod to 9-11. He's a big, he's a big uh, patriot, it seems like to me. And then the team put, put out an official announcement, like we would like all the fans to sing along. And, you know, we definitely did. We definitely sang along, and it was a really, really cool thing. It was a lot of fun, and I will be happy to go see more games with you. No doubt. Hey, one and one, baby. One and one. Hell yeah, man. We're 500. I, <laughs> I can't even remember the last time I could say the New York Jets were 500. Let's go. All right. Before we move on, uh, really quick, I wanted to touch on an event that I went to that was hosted by our school, and I cannot tell you how lucky I felt going to this event because I was one of very, one, I was one of fifteen people who got to go as a student. Justin unfortunately didn't get to go, so that's why I'm, that's why I'm, that's why I'm talking about it. Uh, this was an event. It was a gala actually at Chelsea Pier in New York City, where Seton Hall honored Robin Roberts, the host of uh, Good Morning America, and her broadcasting career. And in the at the same time, the gala was surrounded by folks who were heavy in the sports media field. Robin Roberts had her share of sports media. She opened up through the ESPN era in the 70s and 80s, but then she shifted towards, you know, full focus reporting and took the job with Good Morning America. And to have that and Bob Lee in tandem hosting this event was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Justin got to see some of the photos that came out, not going to lie, the gang was looking drippy as hell. Spiffed up. Oh, we yeah. were we were looking real good. Uh, had some 
Had some fine New York beef short rib and some just some amazing dessert out on the terrace as well. We got I got to talk to uh, to people like Bardia, who is a head producer at Fox. I got to uh, I got to wave because I didn't have the courage to go say hi to him to go uh, to go see Mike Greenberg, who was who was at the event. The former president of ESPN was there. There were a whole bunch of people, and then I had a I had a handshaking conversation with Bob Lee. So, the event and the night was probably one of the best experiences and one of the better experiences I'll have at the school. And I just wanted to mention it as you know, if if you're listening to this and you are a student who is on campus and afraid to be involved, don't be. Take the leap. Make sure you you know reach out to me or Justin. Get involved with what's on campus because you never know what kind of opportunities those are going to lead to, and that's what happened the other night. So yeah, just wanted to uh, just wanted to touch on that experience. Was incredible, absolutely incredible. But Justin, you know what else is incredible? The NFL season. Oh yeah, Dude, we got nothing's better than this. We got to talk week two. We're going to talk the good, the bad, and the ugly, and the ugly. So NFL week. Two winners and losers. Justin and I got two apiece here because we're down Mike for the episode. So, Justin, week two winner for me is the Miami Dolphins. And for good reason, okay? Now, when we say winners or losers for the week, we mean they did something good that maybe either no one thought they could do or they impressed us, right? Tua Tungavailoa led a four-touchdown comeback in the fourth quarter. That's impressive. Good for Tua, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely good for Tua. He threw for 469 yards on the day, six TDs and two picks. Now, the only issue was the offense didn't really seem to start clicking until the fourth quarter. But with that being said, when you have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell and Mike McDaniel, a you know brilliant offensive-minded head coach, you can make plays happen. No doubt. And I want to give... Credit where it's due to Tua. Shout out. That's a huge win. That's Justin's, what, one, number one seed in the AFC? Yeah. In the Baltimore yeah, Ravens? The Baltimore Ravens. I'm, I'm right. very disappointed in that choke session because it really, it was a tale of, not just, it was a tale of three quarters versus one. The Dol- uh, the Dolphins were dominated for three quarters. Yeah. And then when garbage time came, Ravens got too comfortable, and that inevitably led to them losing. Um but I don't think they should get down on the loss. I think it's easy to be like, wow, I can't believe that happened. Morals are low. And then you let this kind of spiral out of control. I think if you're if you're uh, John Harbaugh and, and Lamar Jackson, you kind of got to be the leaders of this team and be like, listen, boys. And I, Lamar even tweeted, he was like, a great game to a, um, but, you know, we going to be all right. You know, and, mm-hmm. and it's true. It's one game. It's one loss. It's a 17-game season. They will be okay. Um, definitely a learning experience for them, I'd say. And to a, you know... As impressive as the stat line is, it was wide open throws to some of the fastest receivers, probably the two single most fastest receivers in the league. But Mike McDaniel is impressing me a lot. Through two games, he has shown almost never before seen creativity on offense. And it's great for the game because you look at these young guys that, and he comes from the Shanahan tree. The Shanahan tree is producing juggernauts, Mm -hmm. if you think about it. And obviously, I'm going to be. A quote-unquote homer, as you might say, and mention <laughs> uh, 
Mike LaFleur, the New York Jets offensive coordinator, also comes from the Shanahan tree, and he's credited as being a young, smart offensive mind. I'm not just saying it as a Jets fan. Um, and then you got a guy, Mike McDaniel, comes in, becomes the head coach. He's got these two really fast guys to work with, and he's doing the most with it. Um, they both had over, like, 180 yards or something like that receiving. Like, that's that's ridiculous. Yeah, and forget really fast. You have the fastest wide receiver tandem in the league. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's... That's a lot to credit. So, congratulations on Ty, uh, for Tyreek and for Jalen Waddle. They had insane stat lines. Justin's right. I think they were both over 180. I'm looking at the stats right now. Wouldn't be surprised. They were both over 170. Yeah, so, Jalen Waddle, 11 for 171, two tugs. Tyreek Hill, 11 for 192 tugs. And it's crazy to think Tyreek Hill was out with cramps for some of this game. I think that may be, in, may be you know, one of the big reasons why Miami fell behind. But, like you said, they are a winner for this week because they came back 28 points to beat a really solid AFC team. Now, do I see this happening in the playoffs? No. But is this a win that could propel them into the playoffs later in the season? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so, this is a huge win for them. So that's a big win for the Dolphins, and that's why I have them as one as my one of my winners for this week. So, Jay, let's hear your first winner. Yeah, my winner for this week is going to be none other than the Buffalo Bills. Uh, they throttled the Titans 41-7 to last night. And then uh, to open the NFL season, they beat the Rams 31-10. to Now, they're a winner for me because I want to put this in your perspective real quick. Think about this. Okay. Week one, Super Bowl champs. Week two, reigning number one seed in the AFC. So yeah, they beat in the, the number one seed in the AFC last year and the defending Super Bowl champions of a combined score of 71 to 17. Yeah. This is not like, all oh, they've won games. They are dominating on every facet, even special teams. They've punted once all season, and I think it was one of the first drives uh, against the Rams. And it was like an 80-yard pump. Or something like that. No, 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 it wasn't. Not that. They've punted one time all season. And I think it was one of the first few drives against the Rams. Like, this is pure domination in every facet. We expected the Bills to be good, but they look really, 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 really good. Like, capitalize it, exclamation point it. The Bills are for real, guys. Well, yeah, the Bills are for real, and I think a lot of people have known that. The only thing that I'm going to say is... You know, I, 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 I'm going to put an asterisk by the, the AFC champion or the, like the number one seed Tennessee Titans from last year. They were not, they did not play like a number one seed. You know what I mean? And then, you know, as much as I, I know, I have to give them credit for the, for the 31 to 10 win over the Rams. The Rams just looked horrible. That's, that's the only thing I'm going to say. The Rams just looked horrible. So, the Bills have stomped two teams that, one, the Titans lost to the New York Giants. Two, the Rams almost lost. If it weren't for a interception on the goal line, would have been a loss to the Atlanta Falcons, who I have with the number one pick this year. So, yes, the Bills have been dominant, but pump the brakes on them just a tad. I would say they're still... It's not like they're winning games. They're dominating. And these are no, quality yeah, These are quality mm-hmm. opponents. Yes, the Titans lost to the Giants. Yes, the Rams don't look as good as last year. But you cannot deny that these teams have talent. Jackson, forgive me if no, I'm wrong. I know. You picked the Rams yep. to win 
uh, the West. to be the number one seed in the NFC. And you probably picked the Titans to win at least eight or nine games. No, I picked the Titans to win seven. Okay, fair enough. But that's still a quality team, I would say. Yeah. A team, a seven-win team usually doesn't get beat 41-7. to seven. Irregardless, Josh Allen looks insane. I would say he's the MVP frontrunner as of right now. 614 yards, seven touchdowns, two interceptions, backed off of a monster game from Stephon Diggs on Monday Night Football. 12 receptions, 148 yards, and not one, not two, but three touchdowns. That's right, Stephon got the hat trick last night. Crazy game from him, crazy game from Allen. I'm sure the Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs fantasy stack, people are very excited about that because that is that is at least 80 points probably. Um, I saw I saw a guy who was down 50 to 120 and won the game. Yep, off of those two alone, I bet. Yeah, that's that's a monster game. Yeah, for me it's impressive because it's not often that you see teams just throttle opponents. Like yes, the good teams win games, but outscoring your opponent 71 to 17, regardless of who they are. Is impressive, but just the fact that it's the defending Super Bowl champ and reigning number one seed in the AFC makes it all that more impressive for me personally. That's why I got the Bills as a winner this week. All right, let's hit on our second winners real quick, and then we'll pop into losers. I've got the Dallas Cowboys who picked up a win against the horrific-looking Cincinnati Bengals. Cooper Rush got a W, throwing for throwing 19 for 31 with 235 yards and a tug. Not really what you see in a winning stat line, but hey, got it done. Tony Pollard had a nice like 40-yard run, and I don't know who Noah Brown is, but he showed up big for the Cowboys. He had five for 91 and a tug. So big time from the boys as they win at home. And uh, yeah, Micah Parsons, by the way, may be the greatest defense, like, when it comes to pass rushing, when they actually put him at defensive end, he may be the best pass rusher in football. No, yeah. I, I mean, at Jackson, I picked him to be the defensive player of the year. Micah Parsons is an absolute stud. Like, we were watching the Bucks game, and he was just having his way with the tackles. Whether he was on the left or the right, it was too easy for him. He's too fast, too strong. And it's like, dude, uh, like it's just domination. He just runs makes a move and he's there and it's like I have personally I haven't seen domination like this since Von Miller in 2015 and Aaron Donald on any given Sunday so I think very quickly Micah can approach that just elite level of edge rushing he's already there but I think if you give him like another season or two of this domination it's time to really consider like who the best edge rusher in football really is because I think he could definitely make an argument for that He's on pace for 34 sacks. Obviously, that's not sustainable, <laughs> but that is why. Hey, through two games, he sustained a two-sack uh, uh, two stat line. Yes, that will, not, that will not remain. But, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to get him at, to see him get at least 20. It's a 17-game season. He's a fifth of the way there, two games in. Yep, there you go. Wow. How All many right. did he have last year? He had 13, so he is a... Third of the way back. Yeah, I think just, over, I just think, under a third. I think, I mean, they're they're and to think he was a rookie last year too. Yeah, is like nuts. they 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 didn't really know he was that good at edge until. Oh, and they finally put him there because yeah. it's actually funny because the the Randy Gregory signing in Denver actually enables him to play more DN yeah. because they don't have a DN. You know, Trayvon Diggs doesn't look too bad. 
Well, he had a good game. Against, he had a good game against Jamar Chase. That's thing. well. That's what happens when he gets sacked six times. Yeah, but hey, I'll yeah. Get, no, I'll, I know. We'll get to the Bengals. We'll get to the Bengals. Yeah. yeah yes. All do. right. Who's your second winner, real quick? My second winner is I'm gonna be a Homer. Oh, right, right, right. The New York Jets and Garrett Wilson uh, exploded onto the scene um, after fans were calling for our offensive coordinator's head. Oh my God! Why is our number ten overall rookie wide receiver barely playing? He barely played in the first game. Exploded onto the scene. Eight receptions. 102 yards and two touchdowns. No rookie wide receiver in Jets history has ever had over 100 yards and multiple touchdowns. Given our history of receivers isn't that rich. So he joins territory that nobody has ever seen. And I just want to put this in perspective. I want to compare him to some people. As of right now, through um, through Sunday at least, not Monday because I'm sure Diggs trumps this, uh, in the NFL, not just rookies, he's tied 7th in the league in targets with 22 tied 13th in the league in receptions with 12, 16th in the league in receiving yards with 154, and tied 6th in the league with 2. Obviously, this is through two games, but drafted 10th overall, you don't know, you don't always expect production like this, uh, but it's really, really cool to see. And then, God, Jay Jettis, Jamar, uh, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, comparing to these two guys through two games, Justin Jefferson through two, six targets in his rookie year, six targets, Five receptions, 70 yards. Jamar Chase, 11 targets, seven receptions, 155 yards, and two touchdowns. Garrett Wilson, through two games, has double the targets, five more receptions than Jamar Chase with 12, uh, one less yard with 154, and two touchdowns. So you could sit there and say, okay, it's only two games, and you know they compare pretty favorably. Garrett Wilson plays like 40% of our offensive snaps. He's not even on the field half the time offensively, and he's doing this. So just you wait, and he leads our team in targets with 22, and he's seventh in the league with targets through 40% of the snaps. Imagine when our offensive coordinator realizes this guy's our best player on the field. We need him there all the time, and we need to get him even more looks. Look for him to really, really explode. So he's had the best start to rookie wide receivers this season, I believe. Yeah. And the only thing I'll say that will discredit him, uh, he was not guarded by Denzel Ward in this game. And that is why. If you notice another talented Jets receiver who Justin loves very, very much, his name is Elijah Moore, was guarded by Denzel Ward in this game. Do you know Elijah Moore's stat line for this game? I think he had like... He had three catches for 41 yards. Not a whole lot. Yeah. On how many On how many targets? Five. On five targets. So not a whole lot to go around. Uh, that's what you think. Um, I will say this. Uh, when you turn on the film, one thing you'll notice is Elijah Moore gets open a lot. Uh, if, hey. you, if, you look at, if you look at, for example, Garrett Wilson's touchdown, Elijah Moore was wide open. He just threw it to Garrett Wilson. Okay, if you look at fine. Garrett Wilson's 31-yard reception, Elijah Moore was wide open for like, 20 yards down the field. I'm not. He gets. I'm no, not, I know. I know. I'm I know, not I know. trying to discredit anyone here. I'm specifically giving an example because Denzel Ward is one of the highest, yeah. mo- highest paid, most talented oh, I love corners Denzel yeah, Denzel Ward in, the, in the NFL. Okay. We got to get on to losers. So let's, let's just rock them off uh, in a pair. Okay. Good. I've got the Bengals and the Colts. Sorry, Mike. Love you, kid. It might, this was actually Mike's loser for the game in our or for the week in our rundown, but uh, yeah, two teams that we really don't know what's going on. Uh, the the Bengals. Here's the thing: 
I don't know if this is a Super Bowl hangover. I don't know if Jamar Chase is down a step. I would never accuse him of that. Okay. He was just clamped by Trayvon Diggs, who is known to give off plenty of yards. So when guarded by Diggs, he had two catches for 14 yards on Sunday. Did the line in Cincinnati manage to get worse? We talked about how good their off-season moves were on paper. Mm-hmm. Burrow was sacked six times yeah, on Sunday. I think, he, I think he's on pace to be sacked like 150 it's times bad. this season. It's yeah. worse than it was last yeah. year. The only thing I have to say about that is I think it's definitely cause for concern. However, breathe. No 0-2 team has ever gone on to make the playoffs um so that is definitely something but you know if any team's going to defy all odds, it's, it's, just Cincinnati it's the Bengals. Yeah. um the offensive line has not played together a lot and you know it That's, takes times yeah. for units it takes mm-hmm. times it takes time for units to you know develop together um but i wouldn't panic too much on the Bengals yet they played the jets on sunday so like that's an opportunity. <laughs> That's definitely an opportunity to bounce back. However, they did lose to Mike White in the New York Jets last year. Jets are riding high off of a great win. Way to way to plug that. I had to do it. You had to, come <laughs> on, dude. But it's definitely you know if there's one team you could really dominate and you know get your get into your groove, it would be against. It them. would be the New York. Jets. Yeah, it would be yeah. the New York Jets. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them blow us out next week. Yeah, that's besides the point. I don't think it's time to panic yet on the offensive line. They definitely need time to develop, but it's not an encouraging sign, especially after he went out and spent all of this money on yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was, what, three? It, was it was two thirty million dollar a year contracts. Yeah. Well, they not, have not thirty million dollar a year, thirty million thirty million dollar yeah, total. They have they have three new guys on that offensive line. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's mm-hmm. three fifths of the offensive line is new. That's true. Have never worked together. New offensive scheme for all of them. It it definitely takes time, and I think personally, one less preseason game is affecting teams more than people realize i think if you look at all these quarterbacks who would usually play in this fourth preseason game who now don't um and then you know that's now cause for concern i we even highlighted it last episode Mm -hmm. quarterbacks who did horrible week one oh my god every single one of them has not played in the preseason so that's definitely something to look forward to i wonder if that affects the offensive line as well yeah and i i gotta flip it over to another offensive line that that gave up five sacks on sunday this team was outmatched in every sense of the word, and I don't know how. You know, I mentioned the Indianapolis Colts. I, I, they got 24-0'd by the Jags. I just want to let that sit for a second, okay? Don't really know what's going on with this team. Matt Ryan looked lost without a number one option. He threw three picks. He threw for under 200 yards. And he completed just over half of his passes. Uh... Jonathan Taylor, you know, didn't didn't break through. The Jags D-line held him well. Doug Peterson doing a great job down in Duval. I mean, they really looked bad without Michael Pittman because they couldn't develop the the run game because they didn't well, you know, it was either one or the other, you know, and they're going to lean on Jonathan Taylor, and when they're down 24, they can't lean on Jonathan Taylor. So, as much praise as I give this offensive line and this roster, they have not showed that they can be the caliber of team that we thought they were could be, at least through the first two weeks of the season. There's a bigger issue in Indianapolis. A lot of people, you know, it was really, really easy to scapegoat Carson Wentz last year. 
I think this might be more of a Frank Reich issue yeah. than, than a quarterback issue because, you know, you had Andrew Luck, didn't win much. You had... Oh, he won some games. Yeah, you went to the AFC Championship, but, like, obviously, he retired. It That that has an asterisk next to it. I'm not really holding him that Yeah, 35-point comeback against the Chiefs. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, Also, <laughs> Deflategate. Uh, yeah. But, you know, you had Phillip Rivers, got to the playoffs, bowed out early. He yeah. lost to Josh Allen. Yeah, a young Josh Allen. You had Carson Wentz. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I know, I know. I know there's like asterisks next to it's this, just, but like I don't know. It it's just an unfortunate no, team. It is an unfortunate team, but like, oh, we we lost our guy. So we bought in Phillip. Yeah. And then we and lost, then we our, lost guy, our guy. So we and we bought him. in Carson. Yep. And then we lost our guy. So now we bought in Matty Ice. And now Matty Ice is gonna be the answer. It was Carson Wentz. Carson's the answer. Phillip's our guy. You know? And you know, this is the third time. I think third time is the charm. I think Frank Wright's seat in Indianapolis is getting pretty warm because, like, yeah, this this is inexcusable at this point. You, this is your third try, and you still can't get it right. And now you look worse than you ever have. You know, a front office standpoint, this is a problem because now you've invested so much into your defense and you've done this huge quarterback carousel, and you've given not a single one of them weapons. Yes, Jonathan Taylor is really cool. Yes, Mike, Michael Pittman's a dog. Whom else do you have? Jack Doyle, like. You got no one to throw the ball to, Jackson. You said it best. Can't trust a team with no weapons. Yeah, it's an it's an offensive based league, and that's what happens when you don't have any offense. All right, Jay, hit us with your two losers. So my first loser is going to be myself, aka Kyle Pitts fantasy owners. Two receptions, nineteen yards in both games. I know it's early, but come on, Kyle Pitts Falcons. You're not a good team. They're not a good team. They're not going to win a lot of games. They've been. Weirdly competitive through two, but it's really early in the season, and it's a long season. But you'd think this guy that broke records last year and is a unicorn at the tight end position, uh, you know, most reception yards for a rookie tight end ever, you'd think you'd make more of an effort to get him the ball. Arthur Smith, you're a new head coach. Come on, man. Get your best player the ball. In Tennessee, you had Derrick Henry. Easy to get him the ball, but come on, get Kyle Pitts the ball. He went out and said, this isn't fantasy football. We're trying to win football games. Are you? Because Kyle Pitts is undoubtedly your best offensive player, and you've shown absolutely no initiative to get him the football. He's a playmaker. Get him the ball in space. Let him make plays. He doesn't have to be wide open. Scheme him the ball. It's really not that hard. He's He's an amazing player with great physical traits. He showed it last year with over 1,000 yards receiving. He can make plays you want to win football games and be competitive, get Kyle Pitts the ball. My second loser is the San Francisco 49ers. I put this with the question mark because Jimmy G's back. And I think with Jimmy G, they're a better team they are than they were. I think with Jimmy G back, they're a better football team now than they were with Trey Lance. And I think their ceiling is automatically higher. But with that said, you went out of your way and traded three first-round picks for Trey Lance. And this is a guy your head coach didn't even want. He wanted Mac Jones. Mac Jones was his guy, not Trey Lance. You bring in this uh, project quarterback who has to sit. You hand him the keys year two. You have all of this controversy all offseason. What are they going to do with Jimmy Garoppolo? Jimmy G's going to get traded. Trey Lance is the starting quarterback. Blah, blah, blah. Jimmy G's back. Oh, bringing G back pissed uh, pissed Trey off. Now, I mean, you look like a genius for keeping him around, but Trey Lance is now out for the year. This is another season lost. Through three games, he played two games, I guess two, quote-unquote, this year, one game this year, really, 
and he looked horrible. Obviously, horrible conditions in, in Chicago. But last year in two games, he really didn't show much. And he hasn't shown much growth. You haven't seen anything from him yet. And now there's a bunch of controversy around him. He was the starting quarterback. He got injured. Now Jimmy G's going to come back. He looked great. He started 6-for-6 six six with 70 yards. Now what happened? Now what are you going to do if Jimmy G takes your team to the Super Bowl and wins? Because I think the 49ers are Super Bowl contenders. What are you going to do with Trey Lance next year? Are you going to bench your Super Bowl winning quarterback? Absolutely not. See how that goes over. Like, you've put yourself in a horrible position now, and you invested three first-round picks plus into this guy, and you've seen absolutely nothing through him through two years. The only thing I'm going to say is this is an even bigger law. Like, you you talk about the fact that he didn't get, he didn't get to play a full season. He didn't play a whole lot in college, so you haven't seen where this guy is. And yes, they're a better team now. I don't think their ceiling is higher. You know what you have in Jimmy Garoppolo. You have been, you know what you had so much that you benched him for a rookie. This is a guy that will get you a 10-11 win season and then lose in the first or second round of the playoffs. Jackson, I love. I actually love that you said you know what you get with Jimmy Garoppolo because you know what they got out of Jimmy Garoppolo? A Super Bowl appearance. I think that's why their ceiling's automatically higher. I think, do you think this team that they have this year is better than the one they had in 2020? You mean when they faced the Chiefs? Yes. No. No? No. Their defense was way better. Fair. All right. They had Richard Sherman and stuff. I, I, I could Richard see that Sherman argument Richard Sherman didn't there. make the, didn't, wasn't the deal breaker. D Ford was still no, on the know, team that still. Nick Bosa was, was at an all time. I think that was his rookie season. Was he was going crazy. Year. George Kittle was doing great. Debo Samuel finally boomed. Brandon no, Ayuk Debo did was not, still a guy. Debo, Debo did not do much in 2020. I Debo had a huge playoff run in which he was a an article player that Kyle Shanahan brought a Swiss Army knife player. And I, I remember because the big quote about the game was the fact that the 49ers had the best overall or the better overall roster and the best defense in the NFL was going up against the best offense, and the best offense won that game. Jimmy Garoppolo will do you what Kyle Shanahan wants to do in order to possibly win a division and make it to maybe the NFC Championship game. When it comes down to it, you need a guy with the ability of playmaking or like Trey Lance could be. That's why I think the 49ers are losers with this, Jay, because they lost their potential to be a Super Bowl winning team, or at least to know that their that their choice in Trey Lance was a mistake. I don't know. We'll have to see, Jackson. Uh, I disagree with that statement, but everyone is most definitely entitled to their own opinion. Speaking of our opinion, let's uh, let's let's flip it over to the Browns. In one of the worst decisions in management history, the Cleveland Browns decided to say bye-bye to their helmet logo who uh, that was historic, long-time running, iconic, and put a frickin' elf at midfield. Yeah, dude, I, I watched the Jets game, I was like, what? What is this thing? And then they, they ran out in front of, like, two dogs, and I get, like, they're the dog pound and stuff like that, but to me... Two giant dog statues with smoke coming out of their mouths. It's not the most pleasing thing to the eyes. That's 
That's at least better than an elf. Yeah. What is Brownie the Elf? I I don't know. I really wish I could tell you, Jackson. Just Brown's L, dude. They bought in Deshaun Watson. They bought in Kareem Hunt. Like, they they have no shame, and now they get to play in front of an elf. Weird (sighs) stuff. I I, I wish I knew the history on Brownie the Elf. They should have just put a clown at midfield because that would—that's what they are, bro. Yeah, and I love Browns management as clowns, man. I I love that in in like the debut, he's the mascot. Brownie's just the mascot. And now he's at midfield, so there's that. I guess it's more creative than a brown helmet, but like you said, it's iconic. Um, but it was an it's... online poll. They let the fans pick it. They they put an online poll. Yeah, they got to change something up. That's yeah. like putting so the Kansas City Chiefs mascot is a wolf. That's like putting a wolf at the midfield of Arrowhead. Yeah, well, it's the difference right. is it's the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cleveland Browns. Like the Chiefs are clearly Chiefs. And but you're the telling me the Browns are Brownie the Elf? What right. else? What right. else? Yeah, 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 yeah. What else could <laughs> the Browns be? You gonna put a brown square? Like no, you put a brown helmet. Yeah, you put a brown helmet. I guess it's time. To, it's. Jackson, you know what? Sometimes it's just time to move on, and maybe to the Browns it was time to move on. I'm trying my best to defend it. It's still weird, but, like, oh, well, I guess. Uh, they still blew a 13-point lead in less than two minutes to a team with no timeouts. So, hey, there's that. Jets. Let's um, go, baby. But, yeah, if an announcer is calling a game and the Browns are playing and someone throws a 50-yard touchdown, they have to identify where on the elf the ball was thrown. That's all I'm saying. And That's now, all I'm saying. Brissette from the nose. There was a strike. <laughs> deep shot from Brownie's hat. Deep into the end zone for Amari Cooper. Touchdown, Brownies. <laughs> yeah, I, it's just their name is so bad. Too. Yeah, like, it, I, is. Like, it is. I, and I hate that Like, there's nothing they can do about it now, but the Cleveland Browns is so boring and basic, and it's a boring, basic, forgettable team. Browns management with another L, but that is everything we got for today's episode. Jay, thanks for cranking this one out with me. 9.30, bro. I'm about to hit the hay. Hell yeah. Me too, man. Get up in the morning. Hit a nice lift. You know. Oh, yeah. It be leg day. Damn. Woo. Yeah. Woo. Yeah, we'll, we'll have some fun. Anyway, thank you all for listening. If you made it to the end, Justin, I really appreciate it. And Mike, who is not here, also, appreciate, also appreciates it. Thank you all for listening so, so much. Be sure to stay tuned for future content. But for now, that is all. So for Justin Valenzuela, my name is Jackson Shank. We will see you all next time. Peace.